we've already asked if you have a need on your heart. And a lot of times when we ask that question, it seems like sometimes we gravitate towards not natural things of life or sickness, ailments, the natural body. But I want to ask you a question. If you have a need spiritually tonight that you would believe that God would meet, would you just lift it to him? God knows what that is. Any minister could be up here tonight, and we don't know. But I serve a God that knows. He knows your heart. He knows exactly what it is. And so I want to go to him now and just ask him to meet every need in this place tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, we have come before you this evening. Lord, humble within our hearts. Lord Jesus, we're not here, oh God, to, to be seen or to see someone, Father. But God, we want to see you. And we ask now that you would just come and that you would begin to speak to our hearts, Lord. And that you would go right to the situation of the spiritual needs in our life, God. You, you know exactly what every person has been fighting, Father. And so we surrender ourselves to you as a minister. Each and every one that's up here would do the same thing, Father. To where we recognize that we cannot do anything within ourselves, but it takes coming under you, Father, and allowing you to speak through us. It's not personality. It's not our character in a sense of ourselves. But, Lord, we ask you to speak through us, Lord Jesus, this evening as we surrender our hearts to you, that you would meet every need. Lord, if there's someone here tonight that has just been weighing in the balances, Father, if there's someone here that's just struggling with certain things, I pray, God, that you would directly go to that need, Father. God, you do it, Father, that when we leave this place, we'll be able to say within our hearts, Lord, we know, God, that you live and that it's not just a song of a redeemer, but, Father, we, we are living it in our life, Father, and we just thank you for this opportunity to be here, Lord, and we just, again, surrender our hearts to you now, and we just ask that you speak and do it your way, in Jesus' name, we ask it, amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. You can be seated. We'll try not to take too much of your time, but we have this little song on our hearts, and they asked us to sing, and uh, trust it'll be a blessing. Amen. Do you love the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. It's, it's good to see you friends again, and even if you're not friends, you're friends, and uh, we're just so grateful to be here and, uh, you know, just to know that you are fighting the good fight of faith. and. And, uh, and also to see newer friends, the Greens, I believe, are here. I wish they were singing tonight. Uh, I, you're, here, you're hiding somewhere, but I know you're here. And so we're just, they, you know, you can say that and people point, and that works. So, but this song that we're singing tonight, it's just, again, very simple. Not very many chord changes, but trust it would be a blessing to you. To recognize that no matter what, you could write a ton of verses to this song. But no matter what, with God, anything is possible. Amen. So just sing it with it. Looks like stormy weather forever, and you never see the light of day. on the way for they cried with God I am protected 
There's nothing that we that can come in our way with him. And no matter what the circumstances, as those, the verses of that song says, it only points out of Paul and Silas or uh, the situation with Daniel. No matter what comes your way, if you're in the will of God, you can make it. You can survive. No matter what, no matter what the circumstances say, and that's the God that I serve. And I know of many of you have been in some, some sticky circumstances, if you would call that. But God is always coming through. Amen. If you wouldn't mind standing right now, and we might sing one after the service that the Lord laid upon our heart, but I just want to jump right into the Word. In St. John chapter 19, we've got a lot of reading tonight. We've got one verse. Sometimes you just got to catch the feel of the people. I know that this is a work day, and tomorrow most of you are going to work. Amen. But aren't you glad God's working with you? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to be here with our brothers here behind us and, you know, just to see the work of God that's going on overseas and to hear Brother Craig Boer being here with, you know, with the church and, you know, I'm just so excited about God's plan, aren't you? Verse number 30 of St. John chapter 19, when you have it, say amen. amen. Uh, most of you do now. <laughs> when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, 
he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. You can be seated. As we look at this simple verse of scripture, there's so much in this one verse of scripture that took place. So much happened. The completed work, as Brother Branham mentioned, happened at this point. But I want you to understand that we're not just wanting tonight to just look at what Jesus did, but what we do through him. And as we play the same part that he played, we have to come to this position in our life where we say it is finished. But I want you to, I want you to look at this. If you look for just a few moments tonight, it says when he said it, it is finished. The very most important part of this after this happened is he gave up the ghost. Now to you, you may say, well, you know, he, that he died. And absolutely, that's what he had to do. He could have said it was finished, but if he didn't give up, if he didn't die, it wasn't completed. And if you look at this word, the, if, the give up the ghost in this Greek, it means mental disposition. This word disposition is the usual attitude or mood of a person. I really want you to keep this in your mind as we continue to read. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16 as we get our foundation this evening. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Many questions were asked here. And as Jesus is speaking and, he's, and he's, this is being delivered to his people, this was not just for them, but this is for every age, every person that can accept this, understanding that you are denying yourself. You're denying your person, if you would. When Jesus gave up the ghost, if we look and we tie it to ourselves, we have to be willing to give up our attitudes, our bloodline, as you were, uh, our nature, uh, 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 our culture. Mm. Because if this word deny is to deny utterly, that is to disown or abstain. You are abstaining from yourself. You are denying yourself. I don't know how, how many have ever heard this before, but somebody reacts to a certain way and you, you have a certain attitude or something goes on in your life and you begin to say, well, that's just who I am. That's the reason why I reacted is because, well, I've got German blood in me or I've got, uh, I've got Indian blood in me and that's just the way it is and accept me is that way it is. And we begin to give excuses for our reactions. We begin to give excuses for our attitudes. We begin to give excuses, the reason why we're acting the way we are. Or, you know, the doctor says that I'm going to be this way. Or, uh, uh, you know, my mom says that I, this is the way I am because this is the way daddy was or this is the way grandfather was. But I want you to understand we have to come to the position in our life where we say it is finished and be willing to give up our mental disposition, our thought process, or how mommy or daddy said we should be. Now, if you really look at this, the linguist estimate that the world's peoples speak 5,000 to 6,000 different languages. Now, this helps us to determine the many cultures that we have to deal with. 
and you begin to become diverse in the church and you get many different cultures, you, you get many different ideas of how a song should be sung or, or how uh, uh, the minister should preach and, uh, you know, because this is the way I was raised or that's the way I was raised or how many's ever heard the old, the, the old deal about uh, uh, the oven size? Oh, please. Uh, where did this come from, Hannah? I, I thought that everybody knew this one. Why, why does the, was it the ham? Why does the ham have to be a certain size? Now, does anybody know? Hey, I feel like I'm telling something new. So for years and years, the ham during Thanksgiving, I'm just going to kind of make my own story since you don't know. For years, the, the ham had to, be, had to be a certain way for Thanksgiving. And every year, it had to be a certain size and a certain size. And whenever so-and-so would go to the store, they would have to look for a specific size. Well, finally, somebody said, why? Somebody stopped and said, why does it have to be this size? Well, so this person goes to mom. Mom, why does it have to be this size? Well, mom says, I don't know. I, I just did it because my mom did it. So let's go to grandma. So we go to grandma. Grandma, why did it have to be this size? Well, I don't know. Let's go ask, let's go ask my mom. So she goes to great-grandmother. Why did it have to be this certain size? And the reply is, that's because that was the size of my oven. And so if we're not careful, we continue traditions and we continue ideas and we continue because so-and-so did it and this one did it and we never ask the why. Why are we doing it this way? Why do we have to be it this way when God's, if you understand the message, it's a progression, victory, it's a, a process. And you begin to realize somebody has got to stop and ask the why. Why do I have to act this way? Why do I have to have this specific attitude? And we begin to go to this one and this one. Well, this because, you know, and then we begin to find where we come from. And now we have this where we can send our blood. And we find out that we're 1% this and 5% this. And now we can make a claim. This is why I am the way I am. And now we have a banner. Look, so-and-so told me I've got this much German in me. Or I don't want to pick on the Germans tonight. Let me move on to something else. Irish. You, I feel like I'm stepping on the Irish now. American. We, and, then we, and so now we have a reason for our attitudes, but the Bible tells us that we have to deny ourselves. We, we're not just talking about, uh, and, and a lot of times we just tend to look at it, we're like, well, I'm not out there smoking anymore. I'm not out there drinking. I'm not out there shooting it up anymore, and I'm okay. But we hold on to our characters. We hold on to our mental disposition, our way of thinking to where work becomes more important than things of God or the certain things of life which may be okay becomes a problem because we're letting it get in the way of God you have to be careful but people today Brother Random says they don't want you fooling with their private life hello only thing you do he says just open up every door and say and now say come on in Jesus and watch what happens when you see in the book you're supposed to do this, you'll do it. Why? You're sheep to begin with then. But if you just want to sit and keep him at the door, just say, well, I've joined a church. I'm as good as you. See, I accepted Christ. Maybe that's what you've done, but you didn't make him Lord, see? 
Now the Lord cannot sit down a book of rules and say a word and then come around and deny it. Let me just say we're not changing for the next generation just to make them stay in church. Uh, we've received the phone calls in our area where they say, well, what do you have to offer the, my children? And our answer is the word of God. And their reply, Brother Tim, is, well, we understand that, but what do you have to offer? What they want is a babysitter. Come on. It's not, it, you know, we, we, we're just in the day where, you, you know, they can't sit in the church. And, you know, because their minds, you know, they just can't handle sitting there. I did. And if I didn't, we still believed in something back in that day. Ah, uh, my dad knew how to get my attention and say, you need to sit in church. Oh, I've heard the same excuse. Well, they're not getting anything out of it. Let me tell you, they're getting more than you think. The problem of it is, is we're feeding them too much other stuff that's clogging their mind from what they need to get. And somebody has to start asking the questions, why are we doing this? Why do we have to feed them these things when we can feed them the word of God? And if it sustains somebody before, it'll sustain them again. The theme tonight is the victor's cry. If you look at it in, uh, uh, in the Schofield, it has this underline, and I've never seen it before till tonight. When it said, it is finished, and the footnote said, victor's cry. And I thought, dear God, I'm so thankful for the victor's cry. Amen. Now, you have to be willing to deny. You have to be willing to deny yourself. And, and so Brother Branham continues to say, he cannot set this book down and deny it. And if you say you've got the Holy Ghost, and the Bible says a certain thing to, you, to do, and you say, oh, I don't believe that. You just remember that spirit in you is not the Holy Spirit because he cannot deny himself. Now, I've heard this before. Well, what you're speaking about, minister, pastor, evangelist, it's not in the Bible. Oh, I better not go there. You just remember, Brother Bram says, it's not the Holy Spirit. The very moment we begin to question in a, in a negative way what God is bringing through the ministry is the very moment we need to recognize we need to get back in touch with God. Now, I hear it now. Well, Brother Jeremy, you are just a human being and you make mistakes. Absolutely the truth. But if I can be in touch to go with God and I am willing to say I was wrong in this area, then you can be willing to say the same thing. If there is not a minister or if there is a minister in this gospel that can never say I've made mistakes in my life, there's something wrong with them. Because even the prophet made the same statement. Oh, that might not set well with people, but it's the absolute truth. Amen. Moses made mistakes. I mean, think about it. In one moment, Moses was given the commission to go take my people out, right? He said, you're going to go do this and thus. And then the very next verse, he seeks to kill him. That boggles my mind. But because, what was it? The importance of keeping his word. All right? It's a spirit, all right, Brother Branham says. It might be a spirit of a church. It might be the spirit of the pastor. It might be the spirit of the world. It might be, but it's not the spirit of God. But think about it. So we are raised in this life. We are brought into this world, especially today. Maybe you older ones can even see it more than I could. But we are raised with options, aren't we? There's options on every side, right? You don't like fast food, you can go to slow food. 
You don't like slow food, you can go to home food. You don't like home food, you can starve. You got Ford, you got Chevy, you got Toyota, help Mitsubishi, you've got this and this and this, and it's options. And the babies, they have options. They have pampers and what else they got? I got a baby and I can't remember diapers. Everything's options. Right? You can get a Dell, you can get an Apple, you can get an Android, and boy, you've got your sides too. Don't speak against the Android people. Don't dare speak against my Apple. We got options. And then you come to church and find out there's only one way. That's why it's not sitting with people. Because they're raised with options. And we find in the scripture, and Jesus says, and for John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto me, unto the Father, but by me. And we read this scripture and we think, but wait a minute. There should be other options. I, I sure should be able to go through this denomination or this non-denomination or this specific message, church. But Jesus said, I am the way. Not your way, not your. You see, that's why there's so many problems in the world today is because we are still holding on to the ghost, if you would. We're still holding on. We've said it is finished. I'm fed up because we finally get to a position where we're tired of problems and we're tired of situations and it drives us to our knees and we come to the altar and we say, I've had enough. I'm ready to move forward. And then we still hold on to something. And we say to ourselves, well, I'm ready to be free. I'm ready. And the only reason why we find ourselves doing it if we're not careful is because we're just tired. We're just tired. We're sick and tired of problems, and we're sick and tired of making mistakes. And we come to the altar because we're wanting to get a shot in the arm. We're wanting to pop an Advil, as it were. Let me just say something about that. What is Advil? Or I'm not a doctor, so please forgive me, you doctors. But what does an Advil cure you? Oh, I'm hearing some no, so I feel like we're on the same page. It just masks what's going on it kind of takes away the pain and we've heard many years that the church is a hospital which it is but we've got to stop coming and just asking for medication we need to come to the physician and say there's got to be a change in my life and there's got to be some cutting and it's going to hurt but God take it out of my life because it is finished and then give it I've heard somebody say this before well I'm just afraid of what I'm going to have to do when I let go. I asked the question, I said, why? Every time we pray for somebody, why is it that we feel like God's beginning to move and then all of a sudden there's a brick wall? I begin to pray, Brother Aaron, God, is it my fault? Is there something in my life that's keeping it? Because I don't want to be in the way of somebody's victory. And if I am in the way, I'll step back and let somebody else do it and get myself right with God. But I begin to say, why are these things happening? And I finally asked the question, why is it? And the answer was, I'm just afraid of the changes I'm going to have to make. You're not willing, you're not ready to get the Holy Ghost when you're still thinking that way. There's not, that's not the cry of a victor. You have to imagine Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he didn't have anybody patting him on the back. He didn't have a whole church shaking his hand saying, you can do it. He didn't have a pastor that was encouraging him along the way. But there was something with inside of him that he knew what he was doing. He knew his position. You've got to come to church. You've got to have a pastor. But that, let me just tell you, they don't fix you. You've got to be willing to let go. You've got to be willing to take the change. 
You've got to be willing to say, God, if I never go fishing again. God, if I never go hunting again. If I never go golfing again. If I never do this anymore. God, I'm willing to do it for you. The problem with it is, is because it's not really a sin to go hunting. Or it's not really a sin to go fishing. Or this or that or the other. It's okay. But we're, we're afraid of the changes we're going to have to make. I like what a song said. This is a world full of options. It's like a never-ending buffet line. And we come to church and we have the same attitude. And the same mentality. We get what we call favorite preacher syndrome. We're the only one, oh boy, this, you know, I really enjoy Brother Tim, but I'll tell you what, this brother, can I just use you brothers up here, is that all right? I really like the way Aaron does it. Then you got someone else that says, Aaron's all right, but I just don't like his presentation, I like Joe's better. Yeah, oh, well, you know, then someone else comes along and says, well, Joe's all right, but he's all over the stinking place. I like Brother Craig Boer. Timothy, you're not done yet. And you get Brother Craig Brewer. I really like Brother Craig. I tell you what, if Brother Craig Brewer would preach more often, like the, we'd have the, the walls would be falling. Then you have someone else. I don't like Craig Brewer. I can't understand one word he's saying. I like Timothy. What am I going to say about him? And it just comes into a position to where it's all about who we like and what we like. And we can't get past the man. And you know, you, you were raised with Timothy. And so sometimes you're seeing his mistakes and all you can see is his mistakes when he's preaching. You were raised with Aaron or you were raised with Brother Tim or sometimes he's your family member. You say, oh, you're the only one that goes through it. No, I was born, I cut my teeth on a message pew and I fight the same fight. But we must understand that it's not the man if they can surrender. If God can use a donkey, he can use me. say this, being a preacher doesn't give us a ticket to glory. We need more of God. I always put it this way. I need more of God than you do. You got a little quiet in here. I was hoping you'd return and say, that ain't true. I need more of God. What we need, and I'm not here to pump you up. I'm trying to tell you something that it's not about the man. It's not about the individual. They, they could be short, tall, big, fat, little, doesn't matter. You can hardly understand them. But if you will surrender to God, God will speak to your heart. And you don't even help us, Lord, to understand that we're not just waiting on these men to speak, but God wants to speak through you. To your neighbors, to your friends, to your co-workers. Hallelujah. We're so filled with all of these options. So filled with them. So filled with options till we can't stomach the word of God. We come into the house of God and we're, 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 we begin to think about our next vacation. Or we begin to think about our job. Or we begin to think how we're going to... Let me just say, if you will give everything to God, he'll help you support your family. If you give everything to God, he'll get you through. But you've got to be willing to say, I'm done. And give up the ghost. Give up those mental dispositions. Give up those family traits. Give up those attitudes that we've been pointing to medical reasons. The reason why we are the way we are. I don't know about you, but when I come under the blood, it was the blood of Jesus Christ. And it said it healed all my diseases. Sometimes family traits are diseases. And I'm not just talking about cancer. Though it is a cancer. Are you willing, Brother Branham says in 56, are you willing to let, as I said the other night, God shear those things off of you? Take all your, uh uh-oh, rights off. 
Take all your rights. You say, this is my right. I'm American. I do what I want to do. That's right. But are you willing to forfeit them to see the kingdom of God? Do you really think? I mean, would you miss a rapture over a job? You're going to have to just bear with my folly for a minute. Would you miss the rapture over clothing? Would you be willing to? I'm asking, I'm asking, would you be willing? You can't miss the rapture if you're sealed. I understand that. But I'm just asking some of our thought process. We're willing to literally miss a resurrection because we're afraid of what somebody will say about us. Or we're afraid that we might not make enough money. Or we're afraid that we can't support. And so we say, God understands. God knows my heart. That's one of the biggest problems today. God does know our hearts. You say, that. What, how is that a problem? Because we are trying to place God in a position where we want him to see a certain side of our heart. But really what it is, is God, if I have to stop everything and start over, just so I can make a resurrection, God, I'd be willing to do it. If I had to stop everything, God, I'd be willing to do it. If I had to let down all of these things, if I had to let down this game and that game and this friend and that friend, I'd be willing to do it for you. Uh, it's easy to say under the anointing of church, but can we really do it? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily, easily beset. Oh, oh, I'm strong. Church has become nothing more in some cases than a stained glass masquerade to where we put on the masks. To show people that I'm strong enough. It becomes a place where we come and we show our strengths, Brother Aaron. We show how good we are because we don't want people to see our faults and our mistakes. But let me tell you one thing you forgot. We recognize that you're human just as I am. I don't care how long you've been in this message. I'm hitting both sides, whether you're young or old. It doesn't matter how long you've been in this message. It doesn't sign, seal, and deliver you to say, well, I've got the belt buckles. I've got every message in the library, which I do right here. I've got everything. I'm, I've got my tickets. No, that's not what we're looking at. Right? We're not looking at that t- those types of attitudes and those types of words. I want to tell you, haven't you seen the move of God? The Bible tells us, wherefore, seeing we're compassed about all these witnesses. Now, I, and, and the scripture begins to tell us of all these witnesses, right? And I'm thankful for those, but I'm thankful for living witnesses today miracles of god things but i want i don't want to get i don't want us to get hung up with something it says looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of of the throne of god now notice it says for the joy set before him but you see the problem is we're always looking back We're always looking at our problems. We're always looking at this situation. We're looking at our current circumstance and the things that God might be wanting to take away from us. But you see, the joy set before him was willing to endure it. If you can recognize what God has in store for you, and it can become a revelation in your life, you would be willing to endure what you're going through with joy. When he died at Calvary, he bowed his head 
As far as the atonement was made and everything that you've got need of in this journey from earth to glory, he screamed, it is finished. There can be nothing else added to it, nothing else taken from it that settles it. The Bible is finished. The plan of God is finished. The atonement is made. The devil is defeated. And the only thing we have to do is look and live. And we are surrounded by this evidence today. I don't have to look back and point at Brother Branham's ministry and say, Oh, if we could have those days again. But you see, that ministry pointed us to Christ. And when Brother Branham left the scene, that spirit didn't leave the scene. It was to come and be in a living body. And that living body is not one minister in the United States, but is the entire bride of Jesus Christ, living and breathing the very word of God. And we are surrounded by this evidence. I am surrounded by this evidence of the grace and majesty of the Almighty. That's why in Romans 8 we can say, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And we have all these testimonies of the amazing power of God and the healing of God. You have them in your church. Who can lift your hand this, this evening and say, I'm a miracle. I hope you didn't have to think about that. I'm a miracle. Whatever kind of miracle it was, you're a miracle. You could have had a miracle of healing, cancer, or, or whatever type of situation. You have those things. There's evidence in the church. Just the other day, God was uh, dealing with us in the service. And after the service, uh, uh, my brother-in-law was supposed to have knee surgery during our meetings. And the power of God was moving. And there was people just right and left coming forward and saying, God took away this pain instantly. God healed my shoulder. This, my, my brother's shoulder, who had been in so much pain, instantly as God began to move to that place. And my, my brother-in-law, Daniel, comes forward. And I've seen it in his eyes, Brother Tim. Tears just flowing, and he says, I'm supposed to go have surgery next week. He says, but I believe God can heal me right now. And just God began to deal with my heart, and I touched the knee that was going to have surgery. And I asked the people of the church, I said, if you have faith for his healing, you touch your knee. And I want you, each and every one of us, to pray the prayer of faith, and God will heal him. And within a few minutes, all his pain was gone, and he canceled the surgery, and he never ended. He He's playing volleyball, he's playing softball, he's doing all of these things. Why? Because of God's healing and he was willing to accept it. But I want to tell you this, we have all of these testimonies and we have all of these things. But are you a follower or a believer? Because the ministry, now of the message of the hour, this brings forth followers and believers. Right? A follower is one of whom does what others say. One that admires and follows the teachings of. This is a follower. They admire the teachings. They, they, they go by these rules and, it's, and it's, it just becomes their life. When you tell them to wear a dress, it's okay. They're followers. They're just doing their, they're just doing their duty, but there's no life in it. If you're not careful, if you were talked into this, You'll be talked out of it. And we find that a believer is one that has firm religious faith to accept as genuine. I'm not just following the fishes and the loaves. I'm not just coming to this church if I came to this church because 
you've got he- uh, miracles of healing. I'm not just coming to this church because, you know, there was a lot of people that left Egypt that were just followers. And they were nothing but a thorn in the prophet's flesh. And they're nothing but a thorn in the, in the body's flesh today. Because they're just there. And as soon as you don't get the service exactly the way you like it, they begin to murmur and they begin to complain. Because Moses isn't doing what they think Moses should do. And when Moses is in the mountain and he's trying to get the mind of God, and the pastor or the evangelist is trying to get the mind of God, we find ourselves at home because we're only a follower complaining because the songs aren't the way we should or the pastor's not preaching. He shouldn't have got on that situation because my so-and-so was there. Because we're just a follower. You see, I can preach and leave. I'm trying to do it carefully, brother. Because we're just followers. And we're a thorn in the flesh of the ministry, of the song leader, of the music, right? Because we have nothing but problems. Oh, but then when the miracles start happening again, everything's hunky-dory. And we're fine again. And then we get, because we're holding on to our mental disposition, we find ourselves going through the same cycle. But a firm believer, it is more. It doesn't matter. Let me just ask you this question. And I know this might not sit well with some people, but what if God never healed again? What if somebody died of a sickness in this church? He never healed you again. Would you be willing to say that he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever? Because a lot of times we only tend to look at healing as what we see today. But you see, he, when his word says, by the stripes we are healed, whether that healing tap happens here on this earth or on the other side, Satan don't have nothing on me. But you know, it has to be a certain way. The music has to be a certain way. The preacher has to say certain words eloquently to catch our attention because we have this thing and we have this thing in our life. And it because we're holding on to our mental disposition. So many follow after the fishes and the loaves. But when Jesus stopped feeding them, oh, when he, there came a position, Brother Ann, when he looked around, he said, will you go also? Will you go also? Because they begin to leave just as large as they came. Because they couldn't handle the living word. They were only there for the fish, natural. They were only there for the natural loaves. They were only there to get something. And church has become no more than a social if you're not careful. And as soon as it doesn't go our way or somebody gets our pew or somebody gets our parking spot, which I'm sure you don't have that problem here. How dare you? How can they? I've been sitting there and parking there for 30 years. You can't say that here now, so we're clear. Ever since the doors were open, that's, they know that's my spot. I sure hope that this ain't happening. You're holding on to your stinking thinking. I said, okay, let me make you feel better. I'm holding on to my stinking thinking if that's all I care about. Brothers and sisters, take my stinking pew. Take my parking place. If I have to walk a mile to come to the house of God, let me walk a mile. If it gets to a position in my life where I can't serve God unless you shake my hand, I need to find an altar. 
if it gets to a position in my life, if I can't get a closer walk with God, unless you sing, I'll fly away every time, there's something wrong with my relationship. God, just, God, if, if they never sing Amazing Grace again, I'll come and worship you. I'll sing it in my car. God, whatever it is, if Brother Tim preaches every single service for the next year, I'm still going to come. If he feels led in his heart to go to Cucamonga for a month and he has Timothy preach it, God, let's put our shoulder to the well. It's not about what we think or what we like. It's what God wants. We've got to come to this position, church, where we are finished with ourselves. We can't just look across the church and say, they better get right. Point the finger at yourself and say, Jeremy, or whatever your name is, I'm done. They follow after the fishes and the loaves. As soon as you come to a Sunday service expecting food and somebody forgot to order it. I can't believe that I drove this far. We had somebody show up at our church one time, back at the old church. Comes in, comes to the front row, sits there through the whole service, Brother Tim, whole service. He was very kind, didn't say nothing, clapped his hands, did his stuff, whatever. And then when the service was over, he goes to my grandfather, and he begins to tell him his sad luck story. Oh, this is going wrong, and this is wrong, and I don't have enough money to get back to the motel, and I need this, and I need that. Well, he came at a very bad time in the sense of, my grandfather in the church. They had very little money at the time. And my grandpa was doing everything he could to help the people at the church. And he felt led to just say, brother, right now I can't, I can take you back to your motel. Maybe I can just give you a couple dollars or something, but I, that's all I can do. That man stopped and he said, you mean to tell me I had to sit through that entire service for nothing? Wow. <laughs> Deacon heard that. Deacon come in. Deacon took man out. <laughs> for nothing. What were we there for? The fishes and the loaves. We were there because the church is supposed to pay for everybody's bills, don't you know? That if you sow a thousand, you'll reap ten thousand. If you sow a Mitsubishi, you'll get a Cadillac. That's what church is about anymore. I mean, come on, if Jesus comes in on a donkey, surely we can fly out on our own jet plane. The church is all about money and all about, you know, uh, 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 oh boy. Okay, I'm moving forward. Let me just say something about this. We are not, we're in a day. Can I just give you this quick analogy if it would? How many have seen cotton fields before? You have them out here. Okay. I have a lot where I'm at. And one day the Lord was really burdening on my heart, Brother Craig. He was just really burdening just the circumstances and the situations that we're in. You know, you just don't see people running anymore, running to God, as it were, few and far between, right? Am I alone here? You're trying to get your families, really, but that doesn't mean you're stopping. We're going overseas. We're doing all these things because we're trying to get the last one, and I was driving uh, down the road to a job, and to my right was a cotton field that had just been, uh, I'll just call it picked. The combines had done come through, and they, roll, or they didn't roll these. They put these in big, huge blocks. And then they put them in these blocks, and they roll them up on the, on the trailer, and then they haul them away. And so as I had drove by this, I began to look, and all I seen was just dried sticks standing. And then I seen white pieces everywhere. 
And God began to deal with my heart. He said, this is where we're at. He said, it's no longer sitting in the combines, raking it in. He said, but it's going to take each and every one of us to get out there in the field on our hands and knees and pick them up one by one. Don't be discouraged if you don't see them coming in like you think they should. But you go get that one. He's not just calling these men to do it, though they're doing the best they can. You can find the one at Walmart, but you're going to have to get your hands dirty. You can't just sit in the air-conditioned combine anymore and just let it all come in. But we are now in the time where you're going to get out in the field and you're going to get on your hands and knees and you're going to start getting dirty, getting that last one. And it's not a very thankful job, Brother Craig. It's not a job that people are, are rooting and they got banners around you while they're picking the cotton. No, in fact, let me just tell you what happened. Those combines had left and there was nobody out in the fields anymore. It's got to a position now that it's all right to leave those ones out there. Do you really understand the spirit of what I'm trying to say? Right. Timothy, I didn't see anybody out there picking up those pieces. They didn't care about those pieces anymore. They got their big blocks full, and they were okay with it. And God began to do with my heart, would you be willing to go out there and start picking them up one by one? If you think in your life that unless I can get this, unless I can get this, that's the only way it's going to work... You don't have the Spirit of God within you. You need to be willing to say, God, if I have to go to Walmart. You know, it's not always about what you say with your mouth, but it's the life that you live in front of them, the complexion of your face, the, the person to, to be willing to know that you're going through a problem in life. And some people at work know what you're going through and will still be able to have a smile on your face. That's a hard thing to do. But you know, that could be the very moment that you'll get that one. Let me just ask you, do you think that this was just left up to the fivefold ministry to grab the last one? Do you think that it's just left up to the ministry to go overseas? No. It was called for each and every one of us to do something. And you know what that is. We'll get to that in a minute. Can I continue for a few moments? Now the people today... Like they was in the days of Jesus, they're just following the miracle. Oh, he might do something that's a little different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't see that done. Let's see if he can discern this one. Let's see if he can do it. You see, that's the way they do. They follow just for the fishes and loaves. But when it comes to repenting, being baptized in the name of Jesus and receiving the Holy Ghost, they wouldn't put their finger on it. And then they condemn you. And then they condemned Jesus by saying, oh, you preach contrary to these. That didn't stop him. He moved right on. He goes on to say elsewhere, well, Brother Branham, I tell you, I don't know what I'll do. My husband will leave me. Let him leave. You separate from everything. He that won't forsake his own and cling to me is not worthy of me. I don't know what mama will say. What do you care what mama says? It's what Jesus said. Well, I'm afraid my sewing circle will break up. Well, break it up. Right. You see, we're holding on to who we are. We, we want to be felt a part of something, and that is a curse in the human race. We want to be a part of a culture. We want to be a part of a group. We want to have a title. Right. Yeah. Well, my title, by the grace of God, is Mrs. Jesus Christ. Amen. That's... Brothers and sisters, that's all that matters to me now. I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching to you things that I've dealt with in my life to where it was about being a part of something 
something out there. And maybe you don't have that issue. Maybe you have another issue. I don't know. Maybe God's dealing with something else. But it doesn't, you don't have to be out in the limelight. You can be behind the scenes praying for each and every one, praying for the ministry. But because we're holding on to our cultures and we're holding on to our traditions, we begin, as Mark 7.13 says, making the word of God not effect through our traditions, which you have delivered, and money, many such like things do ye. If we're not careful, we become more worried about our traditions and miss the very life of the word before us. I don't know about you, but I've had a song service before where God began to deal with a man's heart and he ran to the altar during a song service. Oh, that, well, that's not in God's order. Let me tell you something. That was the best order there ever was. We were singing the song, It's Different Now. And if you knew this man's life like I knew it, if you knew what he had been through, and to see that man as we were singing the song, It's Different Now, since Jesus saved my soul. And he comes running to the altar, and he gives his life during the song service. Oh, what did you do then? We kept singing. We had people come down and praying for them. Let me say something. You don't have to wait for the preacher to be done. You don't have to wait for the song to be sung. Brothers and sisters, if you're the last one, you come right now. That's what matters. But you see, if we're not careful, we become so traditionalized. And that traditional spirit begins to compress around the church. But what I want more importantly is God to move. I want God to move on a soul. I want, I, I don't care what you think of this sermon tonight. What I care is what God says. And if God can bring a soul tonight, if God can deliver somebody, then that's worth it all. If it's one person, Brother Craig goes overseas, and if he can get one soul, it's worth it all, Brother Craig. All the hours, Brother Tim and Timothy, Brother Aaron and Brother Joe, and any of you ministers here, if you go and, and you, could, you could work and labor for year after year, but that one soul was told to us what it was worth. Amen. you got to be willing to get out of your combine, your comfort zone, and get on your hands and knees and say, Lord, what can I do for you now? If I got to get a little dirty, Lord, let me get dirty. If I got to get rid of how I think it should be, Lord, let me get rid of how I think it should be. That's the reason they fail, Brother Brenham says, to recognize Jesus being the Son of God. Their traditions had blinded their eyes, but he was exactly with the Scripture. We are so traditionalized today that if a song's not sung the way we think it is, we will literally cut the whole service off. Don't think you didn't come to church and God had something for you. I don't care if you prayed for it or not. God has something for you. You might not like it. I was raised in a family that there was dinner for me by the grace of God every night. You can tell. I might not like it, Brother Aaron, but there was something for me. Every night, my parents had something on the table for me. And I, though I maybe didn't care, though I was out there and minding my own business, somebody had me on their mind. And they were setting a table that I did not even know was being set. They were cooking food. I had no idea what they were cooking. Now, there were times that I said, Mama, what am I having for dinner? And maybe she would tell me. Sometimes my kids say, what are we having for dinner? And I like to say, wait and find out. Can I take this a little further? Sometimes we come to the house of God and we're thinking, oh, Lord, who's preaching tonight? What do you have for me, Lord? And he just says, wait and find out. 
But I'm going to promise you something. I'm going to promise you something. Something's been cooking. You will never come to church, to this building, where there was not something being prepared for you. I don't care how good or bad you were, something was being prepared. And you have to just be willing to say, and sometimes you got to throw the vegetables down. I mean, not throw them down, throw them down. Hallelujah. You say, I don't like vegetables. I didn't either when I was a kid, but as I grew older and became more mature, it became more wonderful in my life, recognizing that it wasn't all about McDonald's and all that junk, but it was about getting that broccoli deep down inside of me, and oh, it just does something to me. Hallelujah. What is it about? It's not always about what you want. But God knows what you need to sustain you. I hear the stories. Well, I grew up on uh, uh, beans and cornbread. Well, you're here, aren't you? I grew up eating onions and, uh, uh, and potatoes. You're here, aren't you? Right? You see, you got something. There was somebody, something was placed on somebody's heart to feed you and sustain you. And no matter what circumstance or situation you went through today, God had something cooking for you. And it's here tonight. And you've just got to say, Lord, feed me your word. Doesn't matter who's preaching tonight, who's singing tonight, feed me your word. Because we recognize... That we need sustenance. We need this in our life. It must be time for us to manifest in our own lives. It is finished. Or this victor's cry. To where you're willing to say tonight, not just because you're tired. Again, I got to go back to this. So many people come to the altar. So many people go through prayer lines because they're just tired. And at times, brothers and sisters, brothers, we've seen this before. It brings victory, right? But a lot of times it's just because we're just tired of what we're going through. But are you willing to make the change? Are you willing tonight to say, I- I'm going to throw everything away? Now, I'm not just talking about a lot of times we go to the natural things of life. Oh, I'm going to throw away this and I'm going to throw away this. Though if God's saying that, you need to do it. And I'm not hitting anything tonight. You say, I know God. I know how God works because I know how he worked with me. The pastor didn't have to say the word. The evangelist didn't have to say exactly what it was. I was sitting in the pew, my knees shaking because God was dealing with me what I needed to let go of. Now, if I'm telling you, Brother Branham says that the work is already finished, which the Bible declares it's finished, then what could I do for it? The prophet said this. What could I do? If it's already finished, what can I do? The only thing I can do is point you to the time it was finished. And the scripture says it was finished. And that's about all that can be done. It rests within your personal faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. So I want you to understand something. I'm not telling you that you're doing something outside of Christ. But I'm telling you that you are playing the part of Christ. Right? Bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh, right? You are playing the same. You are not speaking your words. You are confessing his words. Come on, church. Don't let Satan separate you from this. You are his words. You are saying his words. You are speaking his words. You are, again, being repetitious. You're not confessing your words. You're only confessing his word. 
And when his word said it was finished, then it was finished. And there was nothing Satan could do. And it compelled him to give up the ghost. But if you speak your words, you will say it is finished. And then say, oh, well, maybe this is all right. And that's why people stop coming to church. Because this is all right, and this is all right, and this is all right. But again, I ask the question, are you willing to miss the resurrection for that thing? And again, I'm not pointing anything out. I'm just saying that thing. Is it really worth missing out? You're not confessing yours. You're confessing his. I'm finished with this attitude. I'm finished with this uh, uh, reaction that I have to this situation. I'm sick and tired of this heartbreak ruling me. I'm sick and tired of this heartbreak ruling my life. I'm finished with these thoughts that keep coming. I must remind you, Satan is a liar. Again, I must, you say, why must we be reminded? I don't know, but some reason human nature tends to start listening to the liar. Satan is a liar. Now, again, what is a liar? It's someone that tells a lie. How do you tell a lie? You must know the truth. (laughs) Hello? Is anybody here? He knows the truth and he speaks lies. When he says you're nothing, you must be something. When he says you've crossed the line, you must have it. When he says there's no hope, you must have hope because he is a liar and the father of it. So I'm tired of these thoughts. It is finished in my life. I'm finished with myself. I'm finished with my attitude. I'm finished with my rights. Oh, this is going to burn a little bit. We are so full of our rights. You see it everywhere. You see it on social media, Facebook. You see it plastered. You see it put on the cars of people. Oh, here we go. Just doing what the Lord says. All right, all right, all right. It's all about our rights. And we're fighting for this right. I told somebody, well, why why do you keep fighting for this? And I never hear you fighting for Christ. Last I recall, we gave our rights away. Come on. I said, last I call, we gave our rights away. So we got to get rid of our rights. Now, I'm not saying, I understand, you might want to have a right to bear arms. Okay, bear your arms, but don't lose your life over it. I'm talking about spiritual life. The rights to do this and the rights to do that. Where is this world coming to? We know what's going to happen with this world, and Satan wants to get you so bogged down by those rights. He wants to get you so overworked by your right to do this and your right to do this. And why can't I wear this? And why can't I watch this? And why can't I listen to this? And why can't I be this way? Instead of coming to God and saying, Lord, what can I do for you? I've given my rights to you. I said it was finished. And when I said it was finished, I meant it was finished. I meant I was done with these things. I meant I was fed up with my life because nothing in my life, everything that I've done went to shambles. But the one thing that I did went to something was giving my life to God. Recognizing that I I got married by the grace of God after I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because I'm going to tell you something on people, and you know this because you're, you're raised in this, but I've just got to give my heart. Let me just say, you got to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost before you worry about anything in your life. I'm telling you, you, you worry about a job, and you worry about college, and you worry about marriage, and you worry about this. Why do not get a hold of God? Because if you get God in your life, I promise you, He takes care of the rest. He's never hurt or let one down. Marriage don't fix problems. College won't make you more money. Oh, let me just correct something. I'm not saying you can't go to college. I'm just saying it's, you got to do what God says. 
You do what God says. You could make minimum wage, and you'll be richer than the person that's going to college. Because it's not about the money anyways. Okay. Oh, that hurt. Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended well, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are set before. Now, many times we look at this scripture and we think we forget about our sins, right? A lot of times we forget our mistakes. We only, we only place those things in this scripture. But what I want you to really focus is you got to forget who you were in the sense of your nature, your attitudes, your thoughts, your character, who you were, your original blood. I'm no longer my natural father's son, though I still call him daddy. I am a son of God. And that helps me to change the way I react, to change the way I am. Because let me just say that, let me just tell you something. When you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, guys, it doesn't fix your life with what you are thinking it does. People think you come to God, you get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to walk out and everything's going to be okay. People are going to pat me on the back. We're in, this, we're in the greatest message with the greatest love of God there ever is. And let me tell you, when you give your life to God, all hell is against you. And you have more weapons trained against you than you've ever had before. And you're going to see more thorns in your life than you've ever seen before. But you've got an armor that can withstand anything that Satan throws to you. But that does not mean that you're not going to face those things. You must walk out of here saying, God, I've given my life to you. Now place everything that I need to overcome every trial. But you've got to know that it's going to be some fighting. This is not time to lay the sword down. This is not time to sit in the easy chair. But this is time. Your vacation spiritual will come one day. Your spiritual retirement will come. But fight the good fight of faith. Forget who you were. The true victors cry. It is finished. I'm tired of these reactions. I'm tired of these things in my life. My past, as the song said, guess what? It's over. I'm forgetting these things. I'm forgetting these attitudes. I'm forgetting this because they're no longer me. Because I've been, the, my mind has been renewed. My attitudes have been renewed. Now, how many has ever made any mistakes since you've you know, been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Please help me out here. Any of you? Okay, I want to make sure we're not alone here. We've made mistakes, haven't we? But that did not nullify the very love of God. It didn't change who you were. But the, and I, the Bible gives us a scripture that helps us in this. When a righteous man stumbles, what does the Bible say he does? Waits for the pastor to pick him up? Waits for the evangelist to pick him up? You say, Brother Jeremy, you're not saying it right. I'm just giving you, when a righteous man stumbles, he picks himself back up again. Righteous. What does that mean? When you make mistakes, things are going to happen in your life. But quit pointing the finger at everybody else. Oh, if Brother Deacon would have just given me the right look, I know I would have made it today. Well, you don't know what Brother Deacon was going through. I can't believe Sister So-and-So looked at me that way. You don't know what she was going through. The devil, all he wants to do is he wants to magnify people's problems. Before you know it, little things begin to work up in your life. And that's the very thing. Let me just tell you, it's time that we eliminate those feelings. 
eliminate that odd in our life when it really had nothing to do with each other. It was just Satan throwing these things in your direction. Again, I'm telling you, it's finished, and you've got to give up the ghost. You've got to give up your mind. You've got to give up your thoughts. Where is the victor's cry? I am sick and tired. I will not be another statistic for Satan. Young people, you cannot be another statistic for Satan. Or he goes at his round table of imps and he says, all right, how you been doing at this church? Well, this church, we got this one and we got this one. And what about this church? What about Brother Tim Pruitt? Oh, I don't know if he calls you brother, but just bear with my folly. What about Tim Pruitt's church? That's, that's been a real thorn in my flesh. Those crazy people. Well, we've been working really hard with this one. And this one has went out, and this one has went out. Oh, you're doing a good job, Satan may say. You become nothing more than a statistic. How did you get him out? Well, I got him out because, you know, he just did not like the way this went, and he wanted to still hold on to these things, and really, that's all it took. That's all it took. And we become nothing more than a statistic. But then all of a sudden, a story comes. They sit at the round table next week and said, what was that shaking going on down there at Tim Church? Here comes little shaky imp, and he says, oh, I was beat up. I thought I had this guy. I want to use somebody tonight. I, I know of, can I, can I use Philip? Where's Philip at? I remember meeting Philip for the first, can I just call you Philip right now? All right, Phil. Phil is not a liar. I remember, I remember meeting Phil for the first time. We met at a Mexican restaurant. We were supposed to go golfing. There was Phil and his crazy golf pants. Now they're still filled with his crazy golf pants, but it's a change fill. But you see, I remember meeting him that day with Brother Tim and Brother Aaron, I believe. We were sitting at a Mexican restaurant, and there was Phil. And I thought, that's, that's nice. And they told me about him. They told me that he was out in the world. And then all of a sudden, one day, the news got to me. I seen this picture on Facebook of a family gathered together at the altar. And I said, who is that? Who are they surrounding? That's Philip. Wrong call. You remember? Oh, even right now, I get goosebumps. Is that all right? Because Satan lost one. <laughs> hey, Philip, you changed Satan's roundtable discussion. <laughs> I believe we need to start changing Satan's roundtable discussion. Come on. Where somebody said it is finished. And it's because something with inside of you said. And there's other stories that I've heard here. The same story that I just told you of someone who come to our church, who was nearly raised in our church, went out into the world, ended up in prison, and ran to the altar one service when we never thought. And now you see Philip coming in and others that have come in. That the story, there's a, isn't there a where? Is it, what's his name? Justin. He's the one that running in, Right? Or crawling in or drug in. Is he here or is he driving a truck? Is he driving a truck? Whatever it is. I don't know where he's at right now, but just to hear his story of coming in. Let me just say something. And what's your story going to be? Every church has heartache where they see people who were raised in the message walk away. We won't give up hope on them. As long as there's breath in their body, we're still going to keep going. But I want you to listen to me and please listen with all my heart as I'm closing. It's not worth it. You're nothing but a statistic to him. 
You're nothing but someone that he just wants to trophy before God and say, look, I got another one. But you see what Satan doesn't remember is that the word of God says, I will not lose a one. And if you're that one, there's nothing that Satan can do. And the victor's cry says, it is finished. I'm done with this life. I'm done with worrying what people say. The victor's cry gives up the ghost. Take away my thoughts. Take away these things. Where are the victor's cries? Who will shake the walls of Satan down? Oh, Lamb's wife, we have a commission. And it's not to sit and twiddle our thumbs and wait for a resurrection. But we have a commission to eat the book and prophesy again. The same word of God comes from within you. I'm not just sitting here, oh, when is the rapture coming? When is the rapture coming? No, by the grace of God, we are the rapture. Jesus Christ inside of our lives. What is it doing? It's drawing us. It's compelling us. It's pushing us. Push forward. Push forward. Get on your hands and knees. Pick that last bit of cotton up. Pick that, pick that up. Young people, pick it up. Don't just keep looking over in Shreveport or over in this area. Get the ones you have lost. Your friends. How many young people here from the age of uh, 6 to 16 have a loved one or a friend that's in the world? 6 to 20, 6 to 25. I'm trying to raise it up. Stick your hands high. God's commissioning you tonight. Get them. I'm trying, Brother Jeremy. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep sowing the seed. Brother Branham said when he was talking about it, he said, you just keep throwing that seed and God's going to place it where it needs to go. Right? You say, oh, well, in this position in my life, where's the Samsons that got so low? Come on, Samson was in a bad place, wasn't he? Where's the Samsons that no matter how dark his, his, his area was, he was able to have the strength enough one day to say, just once more. Once more, Lord. I don't care how dark your situation is. I know this is simple tonight, but you've got to listen. I don't care how dark the situation is or how bad your life was. It doesn't matter. God's not waiting for you to fix your life. He's waiting for you to just give up to him. And when you give up to him, he'll do the fixing. We've got this mentality that thinks we got to get these things straight in our life. No, you don't. Come as you are and let God change you. Samson, get out of the dungeon and they're going to laugh at you. They're going to mock you. But I promise you, something was growing in that dungeon. Something was beginning to move. He couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. But it was a natural thing. And that, that, let me just tell you, you were gods before the foundation of the world. And though you cut that hair uh, in the spiritual sense of your life, it will begin to grow. No gender. You understand what I'm saying on this part? 
No matter how rough your life was, no matter how low of the dungeon you've been, no matter what you're walking around doing the job of a donkey, your, your glory's been cut. And the sense of, again, no gender in this situation, but your glory's been cut. You feel like you're separated. But if you were a son or daughter of God before the foundation of the world, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And even in your deepest, darkest dungeon, that glory was beginning to grow. But when you got into that position, when they begin to make fun of you and laugh at you, and they brought you out for a mockery, something within you compelled you to say just once more what about the moment I want to play two sides of this you could be the very one that's walking around the walls of Jericho or you could be the one that's in the walls the one that was outside of the walls they were praying for the walls to fall and the one that was inside was praying that God would keep his word that their walls wouldn't and I don't care oh well you know I don't need a scarlet brother I don't like scarlet thread I want to I use this color. If she would have changed one difference from the very words that she was given, her walls would have crumbled, crumbled around. I want you to understand the importance of trusting in God's word. If God says to do something, can I just be this way? Because we all do this. If God says you need to stop fishing, but God, everyone else is fishing. It ain't fair. If he says you need to stop fishing, stop fishing. Even right now, boy, it got quiet in here. Maybe you're beginning to think of what God's dealing with your heart. Whatever it is in your life, we tend to think, I'm not no longer doing these things anymore. I'm okay. But if there's something in your life that has taken your prayer time and taken your time away from God, will you be willing to say, I'm done? Well, it's not by those things, Brother Jeremy. I'm a son of God. I'm going to make it. I'm done. I'm done. See, she was told, you got to hang that scarlet thread out. What began to happen when they begin to scream outside? The walls begin to shake. The Bible tells us that Jericho's walls fell down flat. If I recall the King James Version, flat. But somebody stood. Who's stood? So you may be on the circumstance right now where you're praying for God to hold the walls up of life. But if you've listened to the very word of God, you will have a victor's cry. It is finished. Or if you're the one standing on the outside and you're walking around the walls, God will take down the walls that are in your way. But you've got to do exactly what he said. He said, he told, I believe it was, was it Naaman? that he said, you've got to go dip. Was it Naaman? Seven times. But what about this water? What about this water? No, this water. Oh, but that one's not good enough for me. No, if he did otherwise, it wouldn't have worked. What I'm trying to say to you tonight is don't look at somebody else's relationship with God and what God's saying they can do. Look at what God's calling you to do and say, God, I'd be willing if you want me to get rid of these things in my life, I will do it because I need more time with you. I need this with you. I need this with you. And enough is enough. I'm not just a follower. This is my life. This is all I know. Is somebody willing to say that tonight? Are you even questioning right now? Let's bow our heads. Musicians, come. Are you even questioning right now? Have you been questioning what this is? Maybe you're not. Maybe you're perfectly strong tonight. But let me just say, this is more than just getting a good job. I'm not here serving God because I want to have a better job. 
or I want to have a good marriage, or I want to have this. If everyone left me, if my wife left me, if my children left me, it would tear me apart because they're part of me. But would I still be willing to keep pressing forward? Some of you have been faced with those trials, I know. And you're struggling with it or difficult. Some of you are still holding on to traditions and, and, and how, uh, how you think it should be in your life and how this should happen. But let me just say it's more than your traditions. It's more than just how you think it should be. But what we have to be willing to do is deny ourselves, as the scripture says, deny ourselves and take up the cross, fulfilling the same thing that Christ Jesus did. All we're doing is fulfilling the same thing. All we're doing is following in his footsteps. All I'm doing is speaking his words. All I'm doing is agreeing with him. Where I fulfill the same thing, where I say it is finished in my life, and I am completely surrendering who I am. I'm done. I'm not going to be a statistic. I'm not going to be another young person that's going to walk out and give it a try. But I'm going to be someone that's going to stand the ground. I'm not going to be someone that's been in the message for 30 years and think, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's nothing to this. I'm not a statistic anymore. I'm the bride of Jesus Christ. And at the very end of the Bible, we've been told and we can see that we are speaking the, with Christ. We are speaking with our husband. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Now, that might not mean anything to you, and you might think that I'm in left field on this, but in my heart, I'm taking that as I am speaking with him. We are speaking the same thing. I have denied my wants. I have denied myself. I have denied my desires, and I have said, God, I want nothing more but to be with you. If you're here tonight, and anything that God has said in your heart you want victory, you can have it. You can have it where you're sitting. I don't even have to pray for you, though I will, if that be God's will. I could have these minister brothers pray for you. But brothers, we don't want no more statistics of who's taken from the church. God won't lose a one. Will you say that I'm that one that he won't lose? I'm that one, Jeremy. I'm that one, Brother Jeremy. I've been feeling these things in my life, and these things maybe, maybe have been working on my heart, and maybe I've been giving my time to something that I shouldn't have been giving it to. And it might not be a sin. Let me just say, it might not be something that we would even think as a sin, but because it's taking my time, too much of my time, Maybe my thoughts have been weighing me down where all I've been thinking about is this of life and this of life and I'm worried about this job and I'm worried about this bill and I'm worried about overcoming this or what this is happening and what's going on that I have failed to hear the still small voice. I'm here tonight to say it's over. Would you testify that as your heads are bowed? Would you lift your hands and say, Jeremy, I'm one of those that's saying it's over. And not just because I'm tired, but because I'm willing to eliminate, to give up the ghost. I'm sick of blaming it on what doctor says, or what mama says I should be, or what daddy said I was. I'm sick of blaming it on my raising. I'm sick of uh, blaming it on my poverty level, or I'm sick of blaming it on uh, uh, this or that. 
I recognize tonight that Jesus Christ can get me through anything. And I'm finished. Now, would you be willing tonight to do what he said? Do you realize that when he made that statement, brothers and sisters, that he was going through one of the hardest times? He was hanging on a cross, and there was nobody rooting him on. Nobody. I'm wanting to bring it down to your level. Nobody was rooting him on. You can do it, Jesus. You can do it. Just say the words. You can do it. But I believe in my heart. He looked down to this moment. He says, I'm doing it for you, Adam. I'm doing it for you, brothers and sisters. I'm doing it for you. It's finished. And he was able to see you say the same thing. He was able to see you look Satan in the eye, say it is finished. The work is completed in my life. Now give up the ghost. In Jesus' name. If you raised your hand and you meant it with all of your heart, I want you to stand to your feet and let's pray a prayer together. I'm done. I'm sick of going back. I'm sick and tired of saying I'm going to do something. I'm not just asking for you tonight to just be cleared out. I want you to be filled. If you're lacking, you know you can get a refilling tonight of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in that. I believe in a re renewing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've been filling it, you, you know you got to fill up your car every now and then. You filled it up with gas last week, but somehow you, you ran it down. And you had to fill it back up, didn't you? You know that happens, I believe, in this, in this analogy. Sometimes you get a little low, and it's time to get a refilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so we're standing, and I'm standing with you. Let's pray together, Heavenly Father. We are not, we are not ashamed of what we're asking for right now. We're not ashamed to admit that we are human and we have made mistakes and we have got ourselves caught up in situations. We get ourselves caught up in our bills and our marriage problems and our children's issues and schooling or in this problem or that problem to where we are so consumed, oh God, that we can't see you anymore. But oh God, how we long to see you tonight. How we long to see your face again. And we're coming into your, and we're asking for you to come into our spiritual homes right now. We're opening up all the doors doors. Would you come in? Would you clean the things out of this closet? Would you clean the things out of this room, dear Lord? Would you make this home a home of God again? Would you renew your spirit in my life? Oh, I want to see you again, Lord. I want to see you not only moving in this one and that one, but God, I want to see you moving in my life. I am here and my, my arms are spread out as it were. And I say it is finished. And now I give it up. I give it up. Would you be willing to say, I give it up? Are you ashamed to say it? I give it up. And die right now. I said die right now. Don't be afraid of the things God's asking you to do in your life. Give it up. When you leave this building tonight, when Satan comes and tells you nothing happened in your life, you say, you go back to that finished work when Christ was on the cross. You said, you see him there? That was me. And I said it was finished. And when he said it was finished, when I said it was finished, I meant it was finished. Satan, you've got nothing on me. I can feel the walls of Satan's uh, a little office and his round tables shaking because he's loose in people who are beginning to recognize that it was not just meant for this one or that one, but the word was meant for you. It was meant for you. 
by the grace of God. I said it was meant for you and me. Let's all stand. Do you know how much he loves you? May, can, I just, can I just give you my heart? I don't know, Brother Tim, how much he loves me. I can't comprehend it, Brother Joe. Oh, you, you might try to explain it. Oh, he gave his life. He loves you so much that he gave his life. What does that mean? When I look at, when I look at what I did to him, I don't know. But the closer you get to him, the more you fall in love with him. Do you know the song, Falling in Love with Jesus? Falling in Love with Jesus. What key do we sing that in? Whatever that is, I don't know. Huh? F? If you could just play that for a minute. But falling in love with Jesus is the best thing that I ever did. You know, my wife was the greatest thing given to me outside of salvation. Right? I've got the best children. I'm blessed, brothers, with, chill, with, my, with wonderful children. I'm blessed with friends and family. I'm blessed to have a wonderful church that loves the Lord and to be in this building tonight that loves the Lord. But Brother Joe, Brother Craig, the greatest thing is falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing that I ever did. It's not enough to say that, oh, I, I jumped and I shouted and I ran around the church. It's not enough. I want to fall in love with Jesus. Is that all right? Would you just re-fall in love with him for a moment? Would you re-consecrate your lives? Let's just lift our hands to him and sing this song with all of our heart. Falling in love with Jesus.